What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current, an episode that we've tried to record multiple times and we keep having technical difficulties. So hopefully this will be the episode that y'all are hearing. Um, don't really have all the kinks worked out at the new house and so just trying to get the audio right. I know in the last episode the audio was a little off. My mic was a, little, a good bit louder than the guest mic and so I really wanted to have that good. We recorded this episode last night and I went back to listen to it before uploading it and there was an echo on everything that, that the guy I have once was saying and it was good stuff it was good to hear twice but it was a little annoying to listen to it back like like it sounded like you were echoing down the hallway so we're gonna try it again tonight we just did a bunch of test recordings it sounds good um we're gonna get right into it after i share with y'all the sponsors of this show first off is j and j boat detailing uh just a great full service uh full boat service and detailing company uh they're located here in the greater wilmington north carolina area and just do an incredible job they can come to your boat on the lift on a slip, they can, they have a dive crew that can go underneath the boat, clean the bottom of the boat, in the water, um, out of the water as well. Um, but just full service, every little you know nook and cranny of your boat, fully cleaned out, waxed, you know buffed and waxed, and really really detailed. Well, they just did my boats, didn't miss a single spot, cleaner than I've ever had them done before. So I cannot recommend them enough. Um, second off is TNL Table Company. They've built my wife and I's new um, dining room table, which I'm sitting at hopefully not too much longer for this podcast, but on the new podcast table they built us that's sitting out in the garage once I get the shop set up and ready for that and get a little AC in there because Lord knows it's a little too hot to sit out there and do a podcast right now. Um, but two great sponsors. Definitely check them out. Uh, TNL Table Company can do any type of custom woodworking that you need done. Um, just a really awesome dude from Sneed, that lives up in Sneeds Ferry. Um, and I will have... J&J Boat Detailing and TNL Table Company information in the show notes and in the um, YouTube description. Excuse me, the YouTube description. But it might be the fastest I've ever gotten the pre, pre-show pre stuff out of the way. I've had some practice here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring on our guest, Mr. Steve Griffin. What's up, man? What's going on, man? I'm just fingers crossed praying that I don't go back to listen to this and it's a bunch of... Um, reverb i don't even know what you call it but it was weird i've never had it do that before i've had a lot of issues um with this but never yeah, had that, that was funny sounding it was it was hey, funny sounding i'm having a good time i'm having a good time too man <laughs> and now we know each other well we can kind of banter back and forth a little bit more and and this this will be the best that we can possibly do i mean we've had practice we're ready to rock and roll so absolutely I know now, but the people listening don't know your backstory. So kind of share how you got into fishing, how it's brought you to where you are now, and and, and a little bit about your business. Yeah, so um, I really don't have your typical how I got into guiding uh, fishing story. I really, at first when I was younger, I really didn't like fishing. And um, that's because of the way I was introduced to fishing here in the Chesapeake Bay um, everybody thinks you got to troll, uh, 50 rods and go out and just sit around. It's really boring, especially for a kid. Right. So, uh, I really, uh, I was kind of turned off by fishing back then. And that brings me full circle. Um, I do, I did stream restoration and environmental construction my whole life. And I did a project up in the mountains and, uh, ended up getting a fishing rod from walmart and going and doing some trout fishing and realize hey i can catch uh catch fish with these little lures and it's a ton of fun um so then my wife and i i got really big into that my wife and i bought a house it was right on the water the neighborhood had a marina um and i was just looking at all the boats every day 
out there fishing as I got home from work and I said, <laughs> I got, I got to get a boat. I got to get a boat. Let's go fishing. That boat fever. I bought, I bought all the trolling gear, you know, what everybody does around here and, and went out and I caught some, some huge fish and 40 plus stripers and, um, it just didn't do it for me. My buddy said, Hey, let's try this. Let's, let's try going out and doing light tackle, basically using bass gear to go out and catch stripers. And, um, I caught my first probably 17 inch striper rockfish is what we call them here. And, uh, it was so much better and sweeter than that those 40 inch rockfish i reeled in that felt like a five gallon bucket right so um it clicked man and and ever since then i just i was obsessed i was fishing every day after work um every chance i got and uh really figured out the light tackle thing and then got into other species um started i when i get into something i dive in deep 150 percent and um that's what i did figured it out pretty good started getting some questions people wanted to go fishing with me and uh here i am that's a cool story man it's i love and i shared this last night when we tried to record this but i love hearing everybody's different story of how they got into it and i said this as well just kind of realizing the different unique moments that captured people like you said standing up in a trout stream and I think anybody, man, in that, that trout stream scenario, it's hard not to love that. I don't care if you like fish or not, but just standing there, yeah. small creek or river, moving water, it's just beautiful in general. And then to catch some of those beautiful trout, you're like, they live in this shallow, fast water. It's crazy. Um, yeah. it, it's definitely something that's that's very uh, very interesting and unique that I feel like can you know attract a lot of people. I feel like you see a lot of lady anglers you know, getting into the fly fishing world more too like people that and not that ladies don't fish not that women don't fish but i feel like it's it's it, it just proves that it attracts more people to than maybe like you know going out there and smoking cigarettes and trolling for spanish mackerel <laughs> down here or for stripers up there you know it's not that you have to smoke cigarettes to troll but but i i guess i'm playing into a, a cliche but that's a cool Seriously. story man um have you looked back at all since you made the jump from, you know, working in the workforce to full-time guiding? Yeah. So I'll, I'll go into that a little bit more. Um, my dad has always, it's always been hard to make that leap, right? right. When, when do you, when's the right time? Um, and I've always wanted to, my dad always pushed me to do it. And about two and a half years ago, my, we had a couple tragedies. My wife lost her father. Um, and then a, not even a year and a half later, I lost mine. Um, and they both were within a year of retiring and have been planning their retirement, worked their butts off their entire life, never got to enjoy. So uh, I kind of looked at my wife and said, I got to do this. My dad's been pushing me to do it. I got to just do it. Life's short. You never know. And um, something I've always been passionate about and wanting to do. So i uh i decided to do sort of a soft launch and um you know i put myself out there said if if it gets to the point where i'm missing so much work and to go fishing and take clients out then i'll quit my job and that time came a lot faster than i expected so i awesome. i dove in head first man two feet whatever you want to call it here i am it's a, it depends if you're a diver or you're more of just like a pencil guy just jump in pencil. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I would say I used to be able to dive, and now I probably need to do a pencil. <laughs> I'm just can't, I'm going straight cannonball. Straight cannonball, man. That's awesome. That, that's super cool, and just an encouragement to hopefully some people out there that might be listening. That whether it's becoming a fishing guide or you know just doing something you're passionate about, life's short, and I feel like it's important to to chase what you're passionate about, not in a selfish way, but just in a way that you live a life that's fulfilling. And I feel like you bring more joy to others when you're doing something that brings you joy. You know what I mean? So, absolutely. People that are Everybody pissed off at their job don't usually do anything but piss other people off. <clears throat> No, everybody picks up on your vibe for sure. Definitely. And just just being good to people and, and showing a good experience and having fun, it's it's worked. Definitely. Definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about your fishery, where you're located. I feel like <clears throat> most people that picture the Chesapeake Bay are kind of thinking of that Bay Bridge Tunnel area, at least from where I am, that Bay Bridge Tunnel area and, and the lower <clears throat> Chesapeake and don't really realize how great and large that water is and and that a lot of the fish that people think are maybe only in like the northern reaches of North Carolina and and like the southern part of Virginia are actually all the way up there where you are in good numbers and and very targetable ways. Absolutely. So we kind of, I kind of break the Chesapeake Bay down in, in three sections. We got upper bay, mid bay, and then the lower bay, which I would say the Virginia line and south out down out to the uh, tunnel. And yeah, the tunnel gets a lot of, uh, people see that place cause there's a lot of big fish there. Cobia fishing is great, but, um, a lot of people don't know I'm in the middle bay, which is, I fish pretty much Baltimore's about as far North as I'll go down into Virginia every once in a while. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that we do get a lot of the fun migrating fish up our way. Obviously stripers are a big thing, but, um, Bull reds, they're getting better every year, okay. and I'm getting them in. I'm getting them in Maryland. Cobia, we got them up here. Spanish mackerel, bluefish, we get it all. That's super cool. So where you are in the bay, can you see from one side to the other, and and everywhere yep. you're fishing? So it's it's choked down. What's the what? What would you say is an average mileage across from one side to the other where you are in the bay? Probably it it really actually varies a lot where we're at, and it's it's choked up at the Chesapeake Bay Bridge in Annapolis is probably about the narrowest spot. It's really a choke point where we have high currents. Um, and that's three miles. So, and then it opens up. There are the islands, but to get from really the western shore to the eastern shore could be 10 miles. Gotcha. Thank you. Okay, so you don't feel like you're out in the middle of the ocean, but you definitely feel offshore in a sense. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's big water down there. Yeah, and I think that plays into a little bit of, of the boat, you know, the boat choice that you've got. I know we talked about it last night. I need to stop saying that because no one else cares that we talked about it last night, just you and I. <laughs> um, I know we talked about it last night, but but running a bigger boat like a Sea Hunter, why is that a good boat choice for you? What Why do you like that boat, and, and kind of how does it help set you up for, for quality fishing? So I can, you know, what I do, I could do in a – 19 foot Maycraft, but what I when I decided I was going to do this, I wanted my clients to be comfortable. I wanted to provide a great experience, and to me, getting your kidneys beat out and getting soaking wet is not a great experience. And the Chesapeake Bay is, it's known for, it can go from dead flat, slick calm to four foot chop, and that's really tight chop that just beats the living crap out of you. Um, and it can do that in 
minutes. I've seen it. It's scary. So um, I wanted to have safety is a big concern and then just comfort. For sure. Um, the, other, the other thing with that boat, um, it's very versatile. It's huge. It's 28 foot long, 10 foot beam, and I can fish 360 around it. Six people slinging lures on it, no problem at all. Yeah, that's awesome. And the the T top on that, you've got a tower on it. Is the T top smaller? I, and on a 28 foot boat, it's a different. I ran a Jones Brothers with a tower on it for a little while, and I mm-hmm. built out my top. And the one thing that I regretted, and it was a much narrower, much smaller boat, but was the fact that I could not fish lures well with people you know i really could only fish two people i could have one person on the bow one person in the back and then like a third person you know maybe leaning up against the tower and casting or whatnot so if with a 10 foot beam on that you must have plenty of room for excuse me for people to, to move around and cast it's it's amazing i've got a client that comes with me all the time and um you know i've got the rocket launchers in the back and the t-top and also in the uh um on the seat I got rocket launchers there and they're full of rods and I had a guy do an overhand cast out of the back of the boat all day and never snagged anything. Yeah, so that's sweet. but it's just big enough, there's enough space. It's really it's been I mean, it's been an absolute weapon for me in the bay. For sure. So I asked you this beforehand tonight, but if you could have one other boat for that area. If you if you could have two boats and everyone needs five, but if you could only have two what would be your two choices? What do you think would else, uh, what can you not unlock with that boat that, that might be something else that you would look to have? So although the Sea Hunter does a lot and on the big end of things, it covers everything that the bay could throw at me unless there's a, you know, a storm with a name on it. Yeah. Um, I can get, I can get into about 18 inches of water and fish that with the trolling motor and jack laid up. But um, I really like that skinny water and the type of fishing you guys do down there. So if I had another boat, it'd be a smaller one. Maybe a, maybe a pulling skiff, something I can get in real skinny. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're there. They're fun boats. They're, they're scary boats in, in big water like that. Though. They can be. You learn what shorelines you can hug for sure when the wind blows. Right. Uh, that's one of the <laughs> nice things about it. Yeah, I mean, in the bay, I, something like that, if you don't live right on those islands or or those marshes you almost have to tow the boat over there yeah that makes sense it's just not i mean there's people that do it in these tiny boats and i look at them like man you're crazy yeah the bay is a the bay's an animal for sure uh so what fish do you see yourself not see yourself you already do it but what fish do you target up there you know throughout the seasons kind of walking through your seasons walking through your fishery a little bit yeah so um it, it really actually before you even do that share with people exactly where you are in the bay so as we're talking about this they, they know know where you are okay so i am um i'm about 20 minutes by land south of annapolis um near deal or chesapeake beach is are some names that you might recognize cool. i'm on the western shore um and i fish a lot on the eastern shore we have range that's another thing i love about that boat i can go wherever i need to go yeah as far as far as I need to go, and we'll get there comfortably and fast. Um, so up here, especially this year, with uh, fuel prices, I'm staying pretty local. Sometimes I'll venture down into into Virginia, but this year and the last few years, I really focused on my area 
and being able to uh, crack the codes around here. Um, so I'm going to start in December because that's really when we start getting migratory striped bass. Um, we start getting huge striped bass in the bay, and they're kind of migrating up kind of in a pre-spawn just hanging out until the water temperatures get to the right right level for them to do their business and leave which is in late april or may so basically from december through may we've got some huge stripers in here this year we got them up to 50 and a half inches um you know typical fish is probably 45 48 inches um and that's tons of fun I tell my clients, you know, sometimes they're schooled up when they're coming in, but then they spread out and they start to hide a little bit. But um, when they're coming in in December, it's a great time. We can get them on top water and and in big schools, get big waves of them. That's super fun. Uh, Those big striped bass, where do those end up spawning? They go up into the rivers here in the uh, the Chesapeake Bay. So they'll end up going pretty far up into the rivers. And, um, getting up into that rocky stuff <clears throat> well we don't have a whole lot of rocky stuff anymore just we base a lot of mud yeah but um yeah they do go they'll go up into the potomac river where there are rocky stuff yeah and um you'll see them on the eastern shore rivers and the shallows the susquehanna flats um it's pretty cool there's a lot of videos out there showing these just huge striped bass spawning rolling over on in, on the surface in these rivers that's cool awesome that's super super cool yeah we see a lot of that in the roanoke <clears throat> river we've got a really good um rockfish striped bass population that comes up there to spawn and they call them fish fights there all the southeast north Carolina boys it's like when they get up on the surface it's called a fish fight surprisingly you can get them to the top water sometimes i've always thought it was weird it's like you know if you're getting it on with your lady and someone sets a cheeseburger on the bedside table, I'm going to probably wait until I'm done to have the cheeseburger as opposed to just swimming over there, smoking the cheeseburger, and then getting back to it. But striped bass think a little bit differently. Uh, but the the good old North Carolina striped bass fish fights, rockfish fish fights, are, are pretty fun to watch. Um, they're, they're such aggressive fish. They're, they're, I mean, they're our main um, fish here in the Chesapeake Bay, and so much fun. They're a fun fish. What when those bigger stripers are around you? Uh, what do you? How do you find yourself targeting them? Um, it depends on kind of the pattern, and obviously, once they're they're when they're coming in, they're coming in in waves, and and trying to really pinpoint that migration is tough. Um, we're going out. You can get them on top of water, but we're doing a lot of jigging, um, using a lot of stuff like I know the guys listening won't be able to see this, but just jig heads with. Um, you know, big streaks XLs or or um, paddle tails even. Yeah. You big Z-Man um, fan as far as soft plastics go? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially for they, stripers, uh, man, because you can catch so many fish and they got the sandpapery mouths and they just hold up really well. Yeah, I mean, when I've got six people catching fish all day long on the boat um, and I don't have to re-glue or put on another plastic all day long, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, for sure. Saves a lot of time for me. And a lot of money. So, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> a lot of money. I mean, I've, I I remember last year I had a, a lure that somehow made it all year. And it was the same plastic, the same GI jig head, everything. Um, That's incredible. And it's, I mean, I could use it right now, but I think I put it, I hung it up because it deserves its own uh, 
display there. Yeah, for sure. It made <laughs> made it through the battle. What's your kind of survive? What's your tackle scenario on that boat? Are you run? Are you taking tackle bags on the boat every day? Do you kind of have spots on the boat with all your stuff organized? Yeah, this boat is it's awesome. The uh, organization they have on there um, for tackle storage. Um, I've got everything on the boat. I've got a a mini tackle shop in my basement that I kind of just use to restock the boat. But the boat's got at least two bags of every plastic that I need um, and all my jig heads. I've got a box full of jig heads right here, just just loaded. Ready to rock. Um, and yeah, because, you know, if one thing's working and I got six guys on the boat, if one thing's working, everybody's looking at me and they want that one lure and we're going to do it. I'm going to make sure I can give everybody that thing that's working. It's tough, man. And so, sometimes I feel like that happens to me where like, it seems that one thing's working, but it's more so the retrieve or blah, blah, blah. It doesn't happen always, but then it's like, and whenever that happens, I know it's not the one thing I know it's, and, but I won't have yeah. an, another one of those. And so it looks like but, I'm the, I, I like, I just, is it's good to have an extra bag of everything. That's for sure. But you know, it's all in their head too. It once, is. Once they know they're going to catch cause they got the right lure on it's, it's over. They're going to start catching. Um, and, and that's kind of what I do. You know, when I see one guy's out catching someone else, we look at his um, presentation first. Yeah. And say, okay, this guy's got a real quick twitch with a slow retrieve. We're gonna we're gonna get everybody to start doing that. It's funny how stripers can be so dialed on like a certain twitch or pop or a fall or, or whatnot. More so than even trout for me. A lot of times those stripers can can be that way. They're finicky, man. They can be finicky. I mean, sometimes you can stomp beer cans and and just throw anything at them throw the can with a hook on it and they'll eat it yeah. but i mean here lately even it's been tough really tough i mean it's got to be dialed in yeah which makes it fun i feel like it makes you a better angler when you've got to work to figure that out and add something to your arsenal new piece of knowledge on the water but um it is very nice too when they just will eat whatever you throw at them and they're on the surface and everyone can <clears> see <throat> where to cast and you don't have to talk about it it's just like all right just keep catching them keep catching them keep catching them it's never <laughs> like this keep going those are the days yeah. that we, we hope for. I enjoy the days that are tough, but uh, not all clients do. Yeah, that's very <laughs> true. The days that are tough that that you you don't even have to catch them well, but that you know you learned something big time that was pivotal for you. Those are the best days in the water. Whether you you struggle, figure yeah. something out, and catch them good, struggle, never catch them, but you figure something out that you're like, oh shoot, this is awesome. This is what I was doing wrong. This is what I need to be doing. Those days are, as a guide, I feel like what we live for is big learning moments like that. Yeah. And just any awesome. seasoned angler that might be listening is, is those days where you're like, <laughs> holy crap. I just, like you said, like cracking the code, you figure out something. You're like, no one else is doing this. This is sweet. So it's, yeah, it feels so good. It's so sweet that, you know, everything down to the color or size of jig head to slow the fall down. You could put a, put a skirt on to slow the fall down. Yeah. I mean, so much goes into really getting that right presentation. For sure. For sure. Anyway, back to, uh, back to uh, my season. Yeah. We just, we're just going to ease through them real slow like this. We're rambling. Hey, I love it. Um, so, you know, May, those fish, they've done their business. Uh, the striped bass, they're heading out of the bay and we can get them. They open up a trophy season here, which, 15 days and all the big charters go out and put planer boards out 300 feet on the side of their boat and sweep the bay for these big fish. Um, we can still go out and get them. 
uh, jigging, <clears throat> and we actually placed second in a tournament called a 48-inch rockfish in the tournament the other day, and placed second in that. But uh, right in May, they really they really start to disappear, and that's when water temps start warming up, and we start getting a lot more action out of our resident fish, the schoolies. You know, fish up to mid 30s is probably about as good as it gets. But, um, you know, a 25 inch striper is pretty, we get them. I mean, that's pretty much what yeah, we got. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a fun fish, man. That's kind of our, we have the big fish here, very hard to catch, very rare to catch. And it seems they come in, spawn super quick and leave our rivers. But, um, you know, those 30 inch to 33 inch fish are kind of like, that's what people, that's a trophy fish. And, and you see a dozen every year caught that are that over 40 to 50 inches, but uh, nothing like you see up there in the bay, but um, well, people listening that might be fishing your area, maybe stress for a second the importance of striper care, maybe in warmer water. Because we were talking last night, I know we talked about a lot of fatality based off of mishandling or abuse in warm water. Absolutely. So it's it's one of my things is you know when the water temps warm up, July, I pretty much leave the stripers alone. They are not tolerant to warm water and warm air temps so catch and release is really hard on them we see i mean we see it's a sickening amount of floating fish in the summertime from guys out targeting them and and they're always the you know you could keep a 19 inch fish so you're seeing the 18 inch fish floating yeah which is just a shame um so kind of I always leave them in the water. I try to leave every fish in the water unless we're taking a picture. If we're doing catch and release, um, pull it out real quick, take a picture, and throw it right back. Um, but, yeah, starting in July, I really start to focus on stuff coming up, warm weather fish coming up from the bottom of the bay, coming from your way <clears throat> out of the ocean, which is Spanish mackerel, bluefish, speckled trout. We're starting to see a lot of speckled trout. Um, and bull reds, bull reds and cobia, some great stuff we get into. Heck yeah. What is, uh, what's, what's your fish that you would like to target if you know, if you got a day off and any of those fish can be, you know, best day you can have, what, what are you going after? Bull reds. Bull reds. hundred percent, hundred percent. Right on. It's, uh, <clears throat> the, part of it's a fishery and I just, I mean, I'm crazy for those fish. They pull hard. They're, uh. They're pretty dumb, so they if you find them, they're going to eat, and um, it's a good time. And our fishery's just gotten better. And like I said, up here in Maryland waters, I've been working really hard to crack the code for bull reds. Yeah. Um, down further south in the bay, you could see them just sunning themselves, or, or you'll see them in whitewater for acres, but um, just blitzes. <clears throat> but up here, we don't see that quite as often, but they are here. They just don't show themselves quite as much. They kind of break away from that. That I feel like when you see fish wadded up like that, they're they're moving or staging for something. They're either moving to an area or they're staging yeah. for a specific event, like a spawn or a migration. And when you get them broken up, they're living there. You know, they're they're venturing around, spending time there. They're not trying to go anywhere else. They're content, which is a pretty good way to have fish because it means they're they can be reliable in specific areas and you can go back and catch them over and over again is that something that you see happening up there for for your bull red fishing yeah so i actually 
I find it now I can be more reliable and consistent up here, even though there's probably not as many bull reds. Um, it's just the way I can target them, and I just know they'll be there. Yeah. You know, when they're all together, you really have to hit the lottery and, and really find them. It's it's a lot of water you got to cover. But here, when they're spread out, I know they're going to be in multiple areas. And if the water's not right or tide's not right in one area, current would just just keep on moving and, and eventually we're going to find them for sure are you uh, uh if you're not throwing like a top water are you pretty much always throwing like a jig and a soft plastic or do you find yourself fishing many hard baits jerk baits or twitch baits or anything like that very rarely sometimes in shallow water we'll throw um i got here like a yozuri uh twitch bait slow sinking twitch yeah. bait and um we we won a tournament last year with that nice with that lure um but you know we're talking shallow water um, right. when we're in deep water i'd say seven feet and more we're usually jigging yeah or top water because sometimes we see blitzes yeah um, <clears throat> for the bull reds um i do a lot of jigging you can throw out um i'll throw out the the big diesel minnows and they will eat those things right as soon as they hit the water and if you're in the right spot um sometimes you'll see them on the sonar and you can drop down and jig at them. Um, and a lot of the times they're below all the other action. So throwing a large bait out, getting down below all the uh, feeding frenzy up top, you'll find the, the big bull reds down there. Thank you. Uh, do you find yourself <clears throat> relying pretty heavily for your stripers and your redfish on your electronics? Is that something that you're paying a lot of attention to? 100%. Um, especially for... You know, for, for bull reds down further south, 100%. You know, if you don't see them on top, I'll, I'll run my side scan out even 250 feet. And those big schools, you can't miss them. Yeah. So um, we kind of sweep the bay that way, run the ledges. Um, up here for bull reds, you will see them, but since they're not as concentrated, um, you kind of just have to know they're there. For sure. And really know, know where to look and just go after them. We will mark them. Um, but, but not as often. Um, so just knowing they're there and knowing where to throw, where to look is key for stripers. That's the game. I mean, when we get in shallow, obviously you're looking at points, current and, uh, and special areas like that structure. But, um, I generally, unless I see something really good on my sonar or side scan, I'm not stopping. Yeah. It, <clears throat> I got a, a good buddy of mine that that was it has fished a lot of that stuff and grew up fishing more north in the bay and and out on the coast and he, man he is so dialed on his electronics because he's striper fished for so long and and it really pays off and he's able to fish down here differently than a lot of other people and target and catch fish in areas that that you know people weren't really doing it now we're starting to see a lot of other people doing that as well too because he's a YouTuber and and people kind of pay attention <laughs> to what he's doing and we'll go fish his stuff but. Uh, it is uh it's cool to see how those electronics can really pay off when you know how to use them in the correct way is there a magic depth that you're finding those big redfish in are you looking is depth important to you or is it more so bait and bird activity it's it's bait um they are usually in you know they're not really in really deep water i would say 40 to 15 feet yeah is usually where i find them 
Um, and I'm really just looking for fishy water, water that's got some some activity. Um, if I've got a ton of menhaden up here, you know, we could just see them rolling on the surface. I'm not going to pass that up. Yeah. You know, there might not be actively fish feeding on that that you can see, but if there's if there's bait on the surface, I'm never passing it. Yeah. Um, blitzes, we get a lot of bluefish and um, Spanish mackerel jumping out of the water. Even stripers mixed in in the summer. Um, I'm also not going to pass that up. If I see action, those bull reds are just magnets to any kind of action. They're there. Yeah, that's cool. That's uh, <clears throat> interesting for sure because I feel like that's something that I could maybe apply down here as well to some of our stuff in the spring and fall when we do have those fish around in the southeastern part of the state. I mean, we have some around all year, but in good numbers as they're pushing through. Probably yeah, coming up to you. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. That came out of nowhere. Um, but it makes me want to swim a bigger swim bait underneath them. And I, I do that a good bit. We'll have menhaden schools coming up the beach. I'll go throw a swim bait and swim underneath them. Or if I'm bait fishing, I'll, I'll flip a menhaden on a Carolina rig out in front of that school of pogies on the bottom. And I'll flip one on a float out in front of that school of pogies on the top and just sit there for really just two minutes. Let that school of pogies like push through where my baits are. If I don't get bit, I'll run around, maybe do it one more time and run to the next school of pogies and, that's been an interesting way to catch some fish. You get sharked quite a bit doing that, but um, Kobe and Redfish have, will, will pull off on there. We don't have that problem up here. No sharks are there? Well, dude, if everything here, else but... is coming, you're, you just wait. You're going to eat your words here soon. You're going to have some big old freaking bull sharks and black tips up there. Oh, uh, we got global warming or whatever it is. It just keeps getting better with these uh, these warm water fish up here, but hopefully the sharks will stay away. They're here. I mean, they catch them in the nets, but we don't really have – tax man problems or yeah. any of that type yeah. of stuff. Not having to pay the piper to, to catch a few striper. Oh, that rhymed. No. That was pretty good. <laughs> pay the piper <laughs> to catch a few striper. Um, we do have, do we got, we got dolphin and porpoises up here that, that will, I mean, I was fishing a shallow water spot in two feet of water the other day and a pod came through and just destroyed the fish we were catching. Yeah. I mean, they were flying out of the water, so. The stripers? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yep. That happens with our redfish and trout as well. It sucks when you're like, it happened to me this spring one time. I had this really good school of fish in an area. The tide was perfect. I, it was a little bit of a run out of the way to go to this group of fish, but I was like, no one else knows about these fish. I'm going to run up there. <laughs> had a really good fly client of mine, was talking it up, which you should never do. You never say anything no. about how good it's going to be until, and I know that, but still, I, and I, I, everyone does. If you get too excited and you share stuff that you shouldn't share. And uh, we get up there, and there's like 30 dolphins on that bank just smoking the redfish and chasing them all over the place. <laughs> so I, I just ran up there on plane. I was like a foot and a half, two feet of water, and just chased the dolphins off. And then I like set off the school of redfish for like 45 minutes and was like the guardian of the redfish. Every time a dolphin would like try to come back up, I'd idle over and run them off. And then we went over and tried to fish the poor redfish, and they were like, they would hear the, a little splash on the boat and freak out, man. <laughs> I was like, all right, we're going to leave these alone. Oh, I bet. And as soon as we idled out of this bay, we look back and there's dolphins cruising back over there. It's like once they figure out where those fish are shallow, they take advantage of it for sure. So. I've seen it. I was fishing down in Charleston a couple of years ago, and I couldn't believe how far up this creek the dolphins were just demolishing redfish. Yeah. 
They're they're impressive fish, man. They're really really good hunters, and they probably deserve the redfish more than we do. We're the ones that really put a hurting <laughs> on them, but it's uh, it is cool to see those dolphins hunt. It really is. Um, so your redfish, you're you're looking for that action. You're throwing a jig in there, kind of trying to cover cover you know every part of the water column. Have, what's the shallowest that you've caught those big redfish up there? Up my way not very shallow um but you get down right now actually <clears throat> down towards the islands and and everything they're catching them in just a few feet of water because we've got crabs shedding yeah um and they are up there in the grass beds just tearing them up that's awesome so so the um, islands are you referring to like tangier what's that other island north of tangier called <clears throat> you got tangier bloodsworth smith island smith, that's what um that's cool. That's beautiful stuff, man. Aerial footage, aerial uh, uh, photos of that really look like you zoom in, like you and you. If you ask someone that didn't know, they would probably tell you that that was Alamorada, Florida. You know, it's just clear water. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing you can probably get dirty, but some of the stuff just looks super clear. Lots of eelgrass, lots of habitat. It's pretty neat. There's a there's a lot more of that over there because it's just not as. Um, it's not as built up as it is over here on the western shore yeah. so when you get away from civilization over on the eastern shore it is it's a whole different world we've got grasses in the water we got oysters starting to look starting to look a little more like it should for sure um, for sure so we I, I find myself going over that way a lot heck yeah <clears throat> well we've got so many trout geeks that like to listen to this podcast as well as myself people that like catching speckled trout um what is first off what's a big speckled trout in your area like guys that are really die hard about catching bigger <clears throat> trout what is the bigger size trout you're seeing them catch per, per year we get big we get big trout you get big trout um yeah we get 30 inch trout that's awesome up here um and sometimes in the winter they'll get stuck in areas where they just get pounded um you know warm air warm water areas where they get stuck they just can't get out and um probably they're gonna die yeah you know yeah when it when it gets cold so um we'll go catch those a lot of pps that time of year for trout that's up awesome. here um but right now we can target them very similar to the way you guys do just shallow water structure grasses grass beds um that it's fun fishery i love fishing for trout thank you i love i love the the tactical shallow water stuff i like how techy trout can be you know like just because they're yeah. sitting there doesn't mean they're going to eat what you're throwing at them you got to kind of figure them out and, <clears throat> you know angle can be very important color of bait can be very important type of bait hard bait soft plastic top water you know it's there's a code to crack with those jokers every single day it seems <laughs> you know? yeah when we go out when i go out i've got the more anglers, the better, but I've, everybody's throwing something different to start with. Yeah. Everybody's got a different color, different weight. You know, a top, somebody's got a top water. Always somebody has a top water. Um, and we'll figure out what's working. What's your top water of choice up there if you, for, mm. for trout, redfish, anything? Not Maybe not big fish. Let's talk like your shallow water top water of choice and then maybe your deep water top water of choice. The one knocker. The one knocker. Man, you're man after my own heart right there. The one knocker, and um, if I'm going bigger, the chugging spook, okay, right here. Yep, yep. It actually is a one knocker. Just a little cup up front. 
Yeah, it's just got a little cup up front. It's a little bit bigger than the one knocker. So so for bigger stripers, it works really well. Um, <clears throat> the one knocker, obviously, for like trout and smaller puppy drum is, is fire. But um, I like to throw something a little bit bigger. And then we've got some, uh, there's Stillwater Smackets, okay. which are chugging. More of a, a popper. And, you know, when we got rough water, that's what I'll throw. For sure. Um, but that deep sound of the one knocker, uh, I think it calls those fish in. It's a good sound. It's, it's my favorite sound to hear in the top water. Have you played around with uh, wake baits up there much at all yet? No. It's taken I, off down here for sure. But it, I've heard you guys talk about it, and I actually, I'm pretty sure I put them in my cart somewhere online after hearing you guys yeah. talk about them. Never pulled the trigger. But. Well, go to Tackle Warehouse because they've got a lot of like bigger profile wake baits, and just like most things, it's it, they were born in the bass world. You know, somebody... Yeah. built a crankbait probably with the lip a little bit too straight down and they're like this thing doesn't dive and they're reeling it in and it gets smoked by a bass on the surface they're like well it doesn't need to dive we'll just fish on the surface <laughs> um but really awesome for clients that might be struggling to work a top water and stripers are a little more forgiving i feel like a lot of times at least schoolies you know you can kind of work a top water a little sloppy and they'll eat it but um that wake bait is pretty sick and especially for puppy drum and redfish the way that they eat a wake bait like i feel like a spook or a, like a walk the dog plug a lot of times they come from the side and eat it which is super cool but mm -hmm. almost every time i have one eat a wake bait it's from behind and they like surge up behind it and like push a wake off their forehead and just suck it off the surface for some oh. reason they like to eat that bait that way um but it's it's a really good bait for somebody that might not have that rhythm down for a plug um, same with a chugging yeah. bait, but I, do you, do you have much luck on the redfish with the bait that, that you're chugging? I really, the big ones, yes, but the little puppy drum slot redfish, the, for some reason they do not like poppers for me, unless it's like a small popper on the fly rod or something like that. No. And, and really with the, the small redfish, I just throw a lot of paddle tails. Yeah. A lot of, just a slow lot of rolling. diesel minnows. Yep. Yeah. Just, just slow rolling. I'll, I'll throw a, um, a gold or silver spoon out there too. But um, the paddle tear, man, it just it catches everything. It in does. The day. It does. So, and and you can change the color so easily to match the water color and and clarity, which is it's huge here because a rainstorm will dirty this water up quick, and then you got to put something on. It's just a little bit darker. For sure. Spinner baits, chatter baits. Have you have you thrown thrown any of those? Um, yeah, for perch. For perch, not, nice. Not not really for. Uh, not really for anything bigger. There's a couple guys I know that'll that'll put one of those little uh, spinners underneath their um, paddle tail or something. Yeah. But I think the thump of the of just the paddle tail does okay. enough. That's sweet. The the spinner bait is a good search bait for us for the redfish down here, at puppy drum. And I will say, and this is just me sharing things I've seen. Louisiana, we used to catch them with a popping cork, really good down there. Pressure got real heavy. They stopped eating the popping cork as well. Um, they still ate it, but I mean, you'd go from, you know, if you went and a lot of times what we do is we'd roll up to a, a pond to go fly fish and, and fish it. And you just throw a cork at the mouth of this little pond Creek mouth twice real quick before you go up in there. It's like eight feet deep and you usually catch a redfish right there. They stopped eating yeah. those and we started fishing big chatter baits, just slow rolling them mid water column on the bottom. And dude, you're like, just slow rolling this big chatter bait and just, just get tanked by a big old you know 30 40 50 inch redfish they, they they key into that and do when it when a fish eats a chatterbait it's like this 
I think it's similar to the wake bait because it feels like what a wake bait eat looks like in the sense that they come from behind and they like overcome the speed of that bait. And yeah. so all of a sudden it's like chattering and then you just feel nothing. And then you just feel <laughs> and just jerking back. It's, it's a cool bite. A lot of times it's like, I'd have clients that are like, I think it, I don't know what, I, my bait's not, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then the fish is taken off. You know, they think they something, something's messed up, but that's, yeah, that's one to try. Try getting some big old heavy chatterbaits. Yeah. They're cool. I'm baits. Get some. And I think, I think redfish love doing that, especially the bulls. You know, you hook them and then you feel nothing. Yeah. You get that, you get that thump, then you'll feel nothing. We call it the thump and dump over here, by the way. The thump and what dump. I, call it. I like it. Thump and dump. Because uh, you get that dump, that thump, and then it just starts dumping line. We use pretty light tackle on them, enough to get them in because we're going to release them. Right. We don't wear them out too much. But, um, you know, like a 5,000 Vanford is what I use, Shimano Vanford. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but a lot of the times you'll just see that line ripping across the water heading straight towards the boat. And I just tell my clients, stick that rod down underneath the boat because he's going under and he's going to start ripping drag. Yeah, that's awesome. They're, uh, they're rod breakers for sure for that reason. They'll run at the boat and then people don't they hold, they hold their rod out and it just snaps that rod on the gunnel. But yeah, <laughs> what are you going to do? You, you can't win them all, that's for sure. They, they try to punk you all the time. They're smart. They are smart fish, man. Well, hopefully some people, I have quite a, I feel like quite a few people that listen from that area, not your exact area, but up, up that fish that, that water or want to fish that water near you. So hopefully some people that have heard this will hop on the boat with you and catch some big redfish. Um, before we wrap this up, share with people your, and it's going to be linked in all the show notes and everything. I've had it here um, on the lower third for the video. For those of y'all watching the video, the, um, the Instagram handle and everything. But tell people your business, your Instagram, how they can get up with you if they want to come out and do some fishing. So definitely, you can hit me up on uh, Instagram, Griffin's Guide Service, with the underscores in between. Um, Facebook, we're pretty active on Facebook too. Um, my website, easy way to contact me, griffinsguideservice.com. Um, and obviously, you're going to link everything. Um, get in touch with me. I'm pretty quick to get back as long as I'm not on the water. Um, and I definitely get the emails, hit the emails and phone calls as soon as I get off the water. For sure. Um and as far as business-wise, yeah, we're just trying to put together a quality experience. Catching fish is is the easy part out here. Um, so comfort, being able to go wherever we need to go, showing everybody a good experience. Part of that, we offer some lodging. Um, got a full apartment that we put together because I ended up getting so many out-of-state clients. Yeah. And they were looking for places to stay, and I had this awesome place that is much better than a hotel and and it's right here we don't have as many hotels down where i'm at when you get a little bit further away from annapolis so um it's convenient you could jump in the truck with me it's just one or two guys or follow me down to the boat ramp and we'll go fishing and we'll hang out when we get back heck yeah well man thank you so much for hopping on the podcast and uh really hope to to get up there and fish with you sometime definitely going to record another podcast maybe Maybe have you on this winter talk about jigging big stripers in the winter time, which would be, yeah, um, I feel like very popular. And that's really what I want to come up there and do with you is come jig some big stripers in the winter. Um, Let's do it. It'll be just long enough past. We got another baby coming pretty soon that I might be able to sneak away for a little bit. So um, we'll st- we'll stay in touch for sure. I'll have to get you down here and do some fishing as well. Yeah, I feel like we didn't touch uh, 
a quarter of it, not even maybe 1% of what we got up here. It's There's so much going on in the bay. It's such a diverse fishery. Um, you can go anywhere and just pretty much do whatever you want with all those fish that I named. Yeah, I mean, that that's the cool thing. And that's why I really wanted to showcase that because from where I am, I mean, I, I know so many people that are up in your area a lot for work and traveling through that, that neck of the woods, if you will. Um, and it's a, it's for me, a pretty unknown section of the Bay and a fishery that I don't know much about. So getting a good broad overview on this first podcast was nice and would love to definitely, you know, as the seasons change, get you back on talk, you know, specifics, tactics, stuff like that. You know, the stuff that we can geek out about a little bit. Absolutely. I love it. I'm a, I'm a nerd. I, I just really geek out about everything and trying to crack that code right yeah it's it's uh it's funny man us fishing nerds i feel like spend more money on fishing than non-fishing nerds it's, it sucks but it's part of being a nerd i guess <laughs> but hey hey it, it works man it uh it pays off big sometimes it does it can for sure it definitely can well man thank you for having or thank you for coming on and uh look forward to chatting soon and everyone thanks for checking out the podcast we will see y'all next week later